Hey folks and welcome to this Blue Light podcast. This is absolutely the place to discover all you need to know about the police recruitment process. Whether you're applying to join the police in the United Kingdom, in England or Wales or Australia, British Columbia, um, Arizona. Listen, I've had contact from people all over the world. So if you're listening to this and you're not in the United Kingdom, you're so welcome to this podcast. And I, I hope you find something useful in it. I'm Brendan from Blue Light. And over the past several years, I've been supporting people for the police recruitment process. They do the hard work. I just show them the way. And I've had some great feedback, great results. And I'm really, really proud of everyone's achievements to date. Well over 4,000 people are now in the police as a result of my support. So here's more of that support today for you in this podcast. In these difficult times, because I'm making this podcast during the COVID-19 pandemic. And oh my goodness, it's challenging for everyone, uh, really challenging for the police. Serious kudos to the police officers who are out there doing an amazing job under very, very difficult circumstances. And certainly the police in the United Kingdom are living up to the finest traditions, the finest expectations that we can ever set for them. And they're going beyond that. There's been one or two exceptions, but there always will be, as long as they're called out and challenged by the communities that they're a part of or by the service or by fellow members within the constabulary, then all will be good. Anyway, look, kudos to you. Uh, But what that also means is that the recruitment process is having to change and adapt massively for this new normal. Because we can't have that social contact that we had before. Uh, the assessment centres would be the equivalent of a coronavirus carousel. We just can't do them. And face-to-face interviews, the final interviews, or for some forces, the pre-assessment centre interview, just can't happen. So whilst the College of Policing in England and Wales, and I'm quite sure the Police Service of Northern Ireland and Police Scotland, are readying themselves for some form of online assessment centre, because I might have mentioned this before, if I haven't, I'll mention it again. There is no reason why you can't do an assessment centre online. If we think about it, you know, interviews, they can be done online. I know that because I've been practising those with people for years now, using Skype, Messenger, and more recently, over the past several months, using Zoom. So, the people I practice with actually get a recording of the practice session and all the learning and all the feedback. Um, But is there any reason why we can't extend that any further? So instead of doing role plays, which are a really good predictor of future behaviours, can't we do role plays online? Is there any reason why you could not do a role play via Zoom? Well, there isn't, because I've been doing them recently, uh, preparing people for whatever this new normal looks like, I'm quite sure it's going to involve some kind of role-play situation, and I'm already helping to prepare my clients for that. Anyway, the big part of uh, the big challenge is for forces is the interview, because this is where they would find out more about you. They would go beyond the application form. 
because at this moment in time, before they've interviewed you, all they've seen of you is your application form. They need to get to know you. They need to work out whether you're going to be a good fit for their force. Can they see you plugging in? Have you got the right DNA in terms of the values, in terms of how are you going to get along with other people, the qualities that you possess? Are you going to be able to add to that constabulary to make it, to improve it, to take it further, to make it the best version of the police that it could ever, ever be? Because if you're not going to help them do that, who is? So it's really important at this stage. And a lot of forces now are starting to do interviews via Skype or via other um IT solutions, so I've heard of WebEx. I must take a look at it and see what WebEx is, but um, WebEx is something else I've heard, and Zoom as well. Uh, Some forces are still relying on phone interviews. I've already spoken to some of them have said it's not ideal, but it's the best we can do at this moment in time. We're hoping to move it towards a more face-to-face interview via an online IT solution. So we've got to get ourselves ready for this. We've got to get our mindset right for this interview because instead of going to police headquarters we're being interviewed in the comfort of our own home now i've already done a video which is on youtube so if you go to the blue light consultancy youtube channel you'll see a video there where i talk about how to do the practical things that are necessary to ensure that you come across properly just in terms of you know where do you put the camera eye level please uh, the background checking the sound works checking the lighting works all of those practical things so if you go to my youtube channel you'll be able to watch that video. It'll give you all the practical tips. But we still need to come across as our real authentic and emotional self. And that's going to be a little harder when you are having to come across as your real authentic and emotional self via the internet. So you're in the comfort of your own home. They're in police headquarters. There's no way you're going to catch anything from each other. But the the same things that I'd say to my clients who I'm coaching and supporting and preparing, helping them to prepare for their final interview where it's face-to-face, still apply. So what I'm going to do today, I thought, as opposed to telling you about what the my original plan was to do a podcast about the assessment centres, well, look, there's no face-to-face assessment centres at the moment, so there's no point in me going into that just yet. Uh, by the way, though, as soon as we know more about what the online assessment centre is going to involve, that beyond Brenda's prediction... I wonder if Brendan's prediction will come true. Um, Then I'll do some podcasts on that for you. But today I thought I'd talk to you about two coaching sessions that I've had with candidates who are preparing for two completely different forces. And some of the things that came out I thought were useful bits of guidance for anyone who's got an interview with the police service, anywhere in the world actually, anywhere in the world. Actually, this would probably extend, this advice and guidance would extend to someone who's just got a job interview full stop. So the mindset's got to be right. The mindset's got to be right. And what I'd like to talk to you about is how this is not an interview. It's a conversation with a purpose. Um, One of my clients today said, um, actually, the force I'm applying to is going to have like this little practice session to make sure all the IT is working okay. Uh, before we actually have the actual interview. And it'll be a couple of hours beforehand. And I thought, that's that's a really good practice, actually. And, and the phrase he used, he said, it'd be really useful because I can see who I'm going to be up against 
And I thought, hmm, we had a good chat about that because what's that mindset saying? When you're saying to yourself, the conversation you're having with yourself is, I'll be able to see who I am up against. So we talk about that versus a mindset of, I'm really looking forward to meeting people who in the future I'll be working with. Because the people who are going to interview you are going to be operational police officers. You are going to have an operational police officer on your panel. You'll probably have someone there from HR. But what's going to be going through their mind is, can I see this person working on my team? If the answer is no, they will find a way to fail you. Even with the questions that they say, these are just a warm-up question. These questions aren't being marked. Don't be fooled by that. Of course they're being marked. So see who I'm up against. Let's let's remove that mindset and let's get excited because we're, we're going to be meeting the people who we're going to be working with in the future. And they're going to be meeting you. If they can't get excited about you, if they can't sense that passion, enthusiasm, your qualities the values, the things that you're prepared to stand up for. If they can't sense that in you, then they are likely to fail you. Because, look, the police don't owe you a living. They don't, contrary to what some people believe, they don't owe you a living. You've got to earn this special place in the constabulary. And the way to do that is, I think, to to have that mindset of, have it's a conversation with a purpose. I'm so looking forward to meeting the people who I'm going to be working with in the future. They're going to get this incredible opportunity to get to know the real me. They're going to see me as a person, not just as words on an application form. And linking in with that, one of my clients today said, actually, when we started talking about that, he said, um, actually, do you know, one of my friends is actually in the force. And he's been advising me and supporting me all the way through this. And I thought, oh, my, why didn't you say that before? Why didn't we talk about that before? Because now he's got this incredible insight, which you can talk about, into the culture of the force, what he's going to love about working for that particular constabulary. And he wasn't going to mention it because he didn't think it was important. Oh, my goodness, folks. If you have someone who's an inspiration, who's already in that particular constabulary, in that particular police force, then it's not name dropping for you to talk about how you've been inspired by them. Name dropping is is saying that... um, you know, well, the only reason I'm applying for this is because Assistant Chief Constable, such and such a person, said I'd make a marvellous police officer. That's that's name-dropping. But when you talk about someone who's genuinely inspiring and why they're inspiring, and honestly, this client today talked about this particular police officer, and his eyes lit up, and the way he was talking, suddenly he was a very, very different person. A very, very different person, because... Something interesting happens when I do these practice sessions. So first of all, I'll ask a question, and then they will give an answer. And suddenly, they turn into someone else. They turn into the person who they think the interviewer wants to hear. And they start talking like it's not the real them. They start talking like someone else. And I'm always intrigued as to why people do that. And I think they do that because they see the interview as this antagonistic process. Um, you know, like the client today alluded to this, see who I'm up against, as opposed to this wonderful opportunity to have this conversation with a purpose, with someone who you're going to be working with in the future. There's such a difference in the mindset there, isn't there? So let's 
let's take a look at ourselves and how we actually come across. And the way to do that is to practice. There's, there's no way around this, folks. You've just got to practice, practice, practice. Often people will say to me, though, I don't know what to practice. Well, that's where I come in. That's where I, like I said before, I, I show you the way. You've got to do the hard work, though. You've got to do the hard work. So we need to come across as our real authentic self. And something else cropped up today in one of my coaching sessions where um, one of my clients said, um, you know, I, I'm a bit nervous here about revealing too much about myself. I don't want it to appear like this X factor sob story. Well, it wasn't a sob story anyway. It was quite inspiring because he talked about his motivation for wanting to be a police officer came from some experiences he had with the police where he witnessed something in his early childhood. And he talked also about his um, parents and their wishes for him, how he had a brother who was in the police, an older brother in the police. Uh, he talked about more things, but I'm not going to go into them because it, could I possibly identify him? But he had this incredibly moving and emotional story. And by the time he got to the end of it, Honestly, he got me. I was I was emotional as well. I had a little glassy eye moment. It was one of those, oh, a bit of Saharan dust has uh, entered my office. It's uh, got into my eye and it's making me a bit glassy-eyed. No, he really, really got me. And that's where you need to be as well. It's not an X-Factor story. It's not a sob story. It's the real story of you, one that no one else has got. One that's authentic, it's emotional, it, it tells me something of your values, what you're prepared to stand up for. It was a great answer. His first one was absolutely awful. It was full of all the cliches about wanting to help people, put something back into the community, no two days are the same. It's a job that's very exciting. I've always wanted to be a police officer. Oh my goodness, it was just far too many cliches. It's time to stop. Um, but then his second story, oh, that was just beautiful. It really was. It was just, it was just great. This great narrative, which, which can only apply to him. And that's where we need to be. Your story has to be unique. It has to be unique. As soon as you start talking in cliches and start talking like other people, they will tune out because they know that you're just trying to tell them what you think they want to hear. And they don't, I so promise you this, they don't want to hear that. And they don't want to hear you talking in cliches. They don't want to hear you saying things that you're not used to saying. So um, just recently, one of my clients said, use this phrase. He said, you know, great props to him. And I had to say, I'm sorry, I've not heard of that phrase before. Great props. And he said, yeah, well, around our part of the country, that's, that's what we say. Of course, I wouldn't say that at the interview. And I thought, why not? Why, why wouldn't you say that? What would you say instead? And he, he came up with something that was just not him at all, not how he normally speaks. And because it's not how he normally speaks, he came across as being someone completely different. He lost his emotion, he lost his passion, and he started to sound like a, a competency BS generator. So, listen, it, you're going to join a service that welcomes people from all backgrounds. They want people as diverse as you because you are as diverse as anyone. There's always something special about everyone, and you're going to add to that constabulary. That's what they're looking for. So, you know, if you do say things like great props to him, and that's a compliment, by the way, great props to him. It's a compliment, apparently. 
just remember that you know when you turn on the television certainly if you're watching this and you, if you're listening to this in the united kingdom and you you watch the tv here it's full of people with regional accents just just look at anton deck from the northeast the geordie accents that they have um whereas 10 20 years ago or 30 years ago you wouldn't have come across that at all so look if it's okay for the bbc it's okay for you at your interview speak like the person that you are don't suddenly become someone else so what are the top tips have we got from today's um coaching sessions oh my goodness it was was just full of gems it really was um yeah this phrase I'll, i'll kind of end with some of these things here this this phrase that one of them used he said look I think the one thing I've learned here is I just need to let it flow. Uh, It's about taking it off the tongue and telling them like it is about me, about my journey, about who I am. Um, And I love that again because it's phrases that I would not normally use, but because these are phrases he uses, taking it off the tongue, I can't even say it like him because it's just not a phrase I use. So I wouldn't even pretend to try and use that phrase. But because he was using phrases that, he's passionate about and when he uses those phrases it's because there's some passion he wants to pass on his eyes lit up he became someone else again he became the real authentic and emotional version of himself the best version of himself that he could be so um this isn't hard folks it is about being the real authentic and emotional you it is about still being structured still adding something about you that's more than just the workplace. So one of my clients recently said, would it be okay if I talked about the volunteering I do? And I asked him, well, what's the volunteering? Um, And he talked about how he's been a football coach and especially interested in supporting young people who have troubled backgrounds. Oh my goodness, is it worth talking about that? Absolutely. Um, Another client just recently um, said that, well, I didn't really want to mention it because I didn't want it to seem like I was showing off, but you know, I've been a scouting for so much of my life and, and I'm a scout leader now and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and the experiences I've had. Duke of Edinburgh came into it and they weren't sure whether to talk about these experiences because they thought all they wanted to hear about was workplace experiences. No, it's not just depth they're looking for. They're looking for breadth as well. So that has so much currency. If you are giving something to the community without being asked to do so, because it's just in your DNA, then they'll sense that. And that has so much currency at an interview, so much currency. Uh, Because one of the things in the cliches that people sometimes say in their final interview is, um, I just want to give something back to the community. It's really important to me. The question I'd love to ask, and I actually have asked some in the past is, that's wonderful, that. So this this is something you really value, giving something back to the community. Oh, yes, yeah. So what have you done so far? Oh, um, no, I'm just hoping to do it once I'm in the police. Failed. That's an instant fail for me. Whereas someone who can talk about how they've grown up within the scouts or you don't necessarily have to have been in the scouting or guiding or anything like that, just doing something, doing something, being that person in the street who is a friend to someone who's lonely, um, reaching out to those people at school or college or university or the workplace that aren't popular, standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves, being the greatest tradition of Sir Robert Peel, who said that one of the roles of a police officer is to offer friendship to all, no matter what their background or social standing. 
So I'm going to end on two things here because I'm just I'm sort of meandering through these sort of top tips around the final interview, aren't I? But um, I've just reminded myself if I've not said that, if I've said this before, my apologies. I'm going to say it again because it's just this, this wonderful thing that I saw on Twitter about three or four years ago. It was a superintendent who was um, saying on Twitter how he's looking forward to interviewing some prospective candidates for this particular force, and it was West Yorkshire Police, so I'm going to big up West Yorkshire Police here. Um, I can't remember the name of the superintendent, but I did ask him, can I borrow this with pride? And he said, of course. Um, And what he said in one tweet was, um, what I'm looking for is strong characters, because strong characters are capable of standing up for themselves. And I thought, yeah, okay, yeah, I get that, police officers need to have a strong character behind you because you can stand up for yourself. I can, I can see how that would be useful. Yeah, get that. Five minutes later, his next tweet. Actually, what I'm really looking for is a stronger character. Because whilst a strong character can stand up for themselves, it's the stronger character who stands up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Oh, my goodness. I'll repeat that again because it's so wonderful. I might be looking for the strong character because the strong character is the person who can stand up for themselves. But what I'm actually looking for is the stronger character. Because the stronger character is a person who stands up for those who can't stand up for themselves. So think about that in your role as a police officer in the future. Are you going to be the person who stands up for those who can't stand up for themselves? And have you been that person in the past? So the person who will stand up for the person who's being bullied who fears saying anything out aloud, the person who stops in the street to talk to someone who's homeless and speaks to them with humanity and respects them as someone's daughter or son, someone's brother or sister, someone's mother or father, as someone who, you know, had this life that had hope, who may not have that hope anymore. So what as a police officer are you going to do to help inject some hope into other people's lives? For those people who you arrest, who are going to be the most vulnerable in society and you're going to have to arrest them, take away their freedom temporarily whilst you interview them or collect evidence about an alleged offence that they've committed, how are you going to treat them? I'm reminded of my first sergeant, uh, Don Blackers, bless his soul, back in 85, 86 actually. Um, I joined in 85 and I came across him in 1986. Inspirational character who talked about how Uh, when you arrest someone you should treat them like a lord and when you bring them into custody you should treat them like a king okay bit sexist but you get the point don't you queen king lord or lady but treat them he used to say you know this is someone's son or daughter and i've used this phrase for years this is someone's son or daughter this is someone's brother or sister This this is someone's mother or father and they're going to walk out of this police station then they're going to tell others how they've been treated what story do you want them to tell? Because you're in charge of that story. Wow. Gosh. I'm full of all these phrases, aren't I? But they mean so much to me. They mean so much to me. And hopefully they mean so much to you. Because this is how you need to come across in your final interview. If you've got this passion, if you've got this emotional desire to be a police officer um, that, that's, that's linked into those sort of traditions, those ways of being, you have those qualities, you have those values, then... Listen, this will be a conversation with a purpose. This will be you excited about meeting the people who you're going to be working with. And you shouldn't have a problem talking about you. Because do you know something? I don't care who you are. You are the expert in you. 
There is no greater expert in you, is there? You know, you shouldn't struggle to tell them about a time where you may have had to make a difficult decision or talking about the, the values and qualities that you're going to bring to that constabulary or about the current challenges that are facing that particular force and what you're going to do differently to help address them. Or a time when you've stood up for the right thing, where you've challenged something that you didn't believe to be right or fair. Now, these are actual questions that are being asked by a particular force that I'm working with at the moment. I'm working with Nottingham Constabulary, um, Nottinghamshire Police. So they're asking these questions already of their future police officers. But the thing is, you're the expert in you. You should be able to answer these questions. Put the work in. Practice, practice, practice. And this interview will be a conversation with a purpose. I hope you're looking forward to it, whether it be online or in person, because you might be listening to this several months after I've made it, in which case we're back to -to face-to-face interviews in person. Oh, I so hope we are. But if you're listening to this during the COVID-19 pandemic, the police service still needs to recruit. They still want you. You're the expert in you. Be the real, authentic and emotional version of you and have that conversation with a purpose and you'll be fine. So folks, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I'm just looking at the time now. It's about 25 minutes. That's about the right time for a podcast, isn't it? I I hope it is anyway. Um, If you'd like me to do longer ones, please let me know. But I suspect about 25 minutes is about right. And also let me know. Listen, I've been doing these webinars just recently with people who are very well respected in the police service, Uh, people like John Sutherland, uh, at Police Commander from Twitter, highly respected author, highly respected senior officer from the Met Police who's retired. Um, I've got one coming up with uh, Sergeant Harry Tangi from Devon and Cornwall Police, better known uh, on Twitter as at DC ARV Sergeant, an amazing uh, individual who's just retiring from the police now. So I've got an interview coming up with him. Um, interview with a panel of experts on the police education qualifications framework and so many other people as well. So check out my webinars. And the one thing I was thinking about, and let me know whether this is something that you'd appreciate on the podcast. So email me at info at bluelightconsultancy.com. That's info at bluelightconsultancy.com. Whether you'd appreciate this and value this, because I could put those pod, I could put those interviews on the podcasts, they'll be longer, they'll be about an hour hour long, some of them are about an hour and 30 minutes, so they'll be a lot longer, but if you feel as though they'll be of interest, do let me know, and I will put them on these podcasts as like podcast blue light specials, how about that? Anyway, I look forward to um, speaking with you, or speaking to you, or, you know, have a conversation bag, you know, join our Facebook group, Um there's over 10,000 people there. This is where we can develop the conversation further. Um, just look for Blue Light Consultancy in Facebook groups or Blue Light Police Recruitment Support. You'll find it. If you're just looking groups for that, you'll find it. Ask to join, and it's highly likely I will welcome you into the group. Over 10,000 people. It's the place to continue the conversation. So I look forward to seeing you there. Or if I don't see you there, I shall see you at the next podcast next week. I shall speak to you soon. And remember, if you're listening to this during the pandemic, stay at home, save lives. I'm seeing some stuff going on in the world at the moment where I'm seeing people protesting about the right to be outside, mingling with each other. Okay, you may not be spreading the disease with each other because you may be asymptomatic, but 
if you're asymptomatic and you're passing it on to someone else who then passes it on to someone who needs to go into hospital and overwhelms their health system and someone dies because of it, then I'm sorry, I'm going to get on my, my soapbox here. You're being selfish. Stay at home. Save lives. Only go out when you have to. I wish you well. Stay safe and uh, look after each other. Uh, bye-bye for now, and I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey,